The Presidential Debate Commission has delivered new rules to ensure that a presidential debate doesn't break out at the final presidential debate. The commission was formed in 1207 by a merry band of outlaws in Hamsterly Forest, England, after the evil King John declared that anyone who wanted to argue about politics would be banished to America after it was discovered nearly 300 years later. The commission now consists of seven members who, according to the charter, must include two gay interior designers, a three-member klezmer band, a Sicilian assassin, and a fat woman named Pearl. Their absolute authority to set the rules of the debate has been handed down from father to son ever since Democrats decided they could probably get away with that now that all the honest journalists had died in the great journalist purge of the year Obama. According to the new rules of the debate, candidates will not be permitted to use any word that rhymes with punter or riding or refer to any form of written communication invented after 1972 or mention the fact that Joe Biden is a corrupt lowlife who's been on the take since the 70s. The moderator will be a completely unbiased, nonpartisan Democrat who will be equipped with a mute button that will shut down the microphone of any orange-haired candidate who refuses to stop talking while he's making a good point. After muting his mic, the moderator will apply an electric shock until the orange-haired candidate either, either releases the screaming woman he is clutching in his large hairy fist or admits that Joe Biden really is as great a guy as the Chinese Communist Party says he is. The moderator will further be equipped with a fire hose to be used on any candidate named Donald from either party if he should refuse to stop talking about the millions of dollars any other candidate took to do favors for foreign dictators. The commission says these rules will ensure fairness and may the best Joe win. Trigger warning, I'm Andrew Clavin, and this is The Andrew Clavin Show. I'm the hunky-dunky, life is tickety-boo. Birds are winging, also singing, hunky-dunky-dee-doo. Ship-shaped, ipsy-topsy, the world is a bitty zing It's a wonderful day, hurrah, hooray, it makes me want to sing. Oh, hurrah, hooray. All right, the dangerous right-wing conspiracy known as Clavenon continues. If you want to hear it all, go on the Andrew Claven YouTube channel. Not the Daily Wire, the Andrew Claven, specifically the Andrew Claven YouTube channel, and subscribe. Touch that bell or whatever it is, the alarm, and I will personally deliver new content to your house uh, with my crew. And uh, leave a comment. If the comment is sufficiently idiotic, It'll fit right in with the show, so we will just read it on the air. Today we have a comment from, his name is None of Your Business. <laughs> Sounds like a good conservative name, None of Your Business. Uh, and it said he was commenting on yesterday's show. He says it sounds like Clavin, <laughs> Clavin, <laughs> Clavin's wife is sawing apart liberals' bodies in the background. Uh, she does do that from time to time, but I do think that noise that you heard yesterday uh, was the city of Los Angeles cutting down branches that were getting in the way of uh, electric wires. They told me they were going to do it, but they said they were going to do it on Monday and Tuesday, so I thought I wouldn't be here. Then they found out that I wouldn't be here, so they came on Wednesday to make sure the show got, <laughs> got that noise in the background. So over the weekend, our friend Jenna Ellis, who will be with us on the show today, tweeted a picture of two lions. One lion was pacing in a cage in a zoo. The other was roaming free on the savannah. And the caption said, the lion in the zoo has free housing and health care. The lion in the wild has to fend for himself. Which would you rather be? It's not just an excellent question. In a way, it's the question. It's the issue of America, and it's the issue of this election. And it's an issue we rarely confront directly, the issue of fear 
versus freedom because they are natural enemies. Take the controversy over wearing masks during the pandemic. Donald Trump said, don't be afraid of the virus. Don't let it dominate your life. And the left answered back. They said, be afraid, be dominated, follow our orders and wear a mask. The anti-free speech website, Twitter, actually censored a doctor who opined that masks don't work. They don't help. But whether they work or not is actually not the central issue. I believe they work indoors and you should probably wear them in in a crowded room. But the argument over masks is not an argument about science. It's an argument about values. Conservatives value freedom over safety. We think freedom is worth fighting for and even worth risking death for. And that doesn't just mean risking death on a battlefield. It means risking death by living your life by your own lights, even when you're facing the threat of a potentially deadly virus. The left doesn't want to mention this because they don't want you to think about the fact that safety always comes with chains attached. When you're afraid, that's when you give up your freedom. But even the right isn't always eager to talk about the values clash because we know that freedom isn't as popular as we wish it was. In the Bible, God miraculously freed the Hebrews from slavery in Egypt, and all they did was whine about how they missed the free food and housing they had when they were slaves. Even the lions of Judah wished they were back at the zoo. Everything the left sells is based on fear, fear of germs, fear of the climate, fear of losing your job without a safety net, fear of fending for yourself. When America was young, the people here were emigrants and pioneers. They braved the ocean and the wilderness to find liberty from oppression. They had the guts not just to win their freedom, but the guts to keep it, too. It's an open question whether that's true today. The party of fear and slavery is leading in the polls. They've always been the party of fear and always been the party of slavery. And we will see how courage and freedom fare on Election Day. I'm going to talk about this Hunter Biden laptop scandal, which I believe is now pretty well confirmed. I mean, it's pretty well a a real story and does cast some uh, shadow of blame on on Joe Biden. Uh, But before I talk about that, I want to talk about something bigger, because this is the way politics works. One of the frustrations about talking about politics all the time is you're always talking about the issue of the moment. And the issue of the moment obscures the greater issues, the bigger things that are going on, the, the actual problem we're having, the actual debate we're having. Because, you know, I don't think this is going to affect the election in a big way. I think it is important to the narrative to remember that all these people yelling that Donald Trump is corrupt have not proved his corruption, where this is actually getting to be proof that Joe Biden at least had extremely poor judgment and lied and may have been corrupt. But still, that actually is not the issue because we don't know all all the truth about Donald Trump either. The bigger issue is how these guys approach America what they actually think of the country they are asking to be the president of. Joe Biden tweeted this yesterday. This is cut three. America was an idea, an idea. We hold these truths to be self-evident. We've never lived up to it, but we've never walked away from it before. And I just think we have to be more honest and let our kids know as we raise them what actually did happen. Acknowledge our mistakes. So we don't repeat them. So Antifa is an idea, but America was an idea. And we need to face up to the mistake because we never do that. We never we never talk about America's mistakes and the people, you know, were imperfect. You know, this this lying uh, 1619 propaganda that The New York Times, a former newspaper, has spread, disseminated like a toxin into our schools basically puts forward this idea. It actually used the phrase. Now, I don't know whether they've edited this out in secret, but it actually said these ideals that Joe Biden is talking about, that all men are created equal and have God-given rights, 
These ideals were false when they were written. And Brett Stevens, in his absolute dissection of the 1619 lie, said, you know, that's a ridiculous statement. The ideals were true. The fact that people don't always live up to their ideals doesn't mean the ideals aren't true. And the fact that people don't live up to their ideals is simply the way life is. It's simply the way history is. It's the way we're in this broken world. But Joe Biden says we've now abandoned these ideals. And I want to know which ideals does he think we've abandoned? You know, who is it who says that black people have to be called out, who spread this absolute vile racism of this Black Lives Matter movement throughout people. So you can hardly look at your fellow American anymore and he's think he's and see that he's black and think, well, maybe he hates me. Maybe he's, you know, has this kind of animus against America. They did that. They did that. Who doesn't want us to have free speech? You know, who doesn't want us to choose whether to be in a union or not or to keep our money and spend it the way we want? Here's what Donald Trump says about this. This is cut 22. The Democrat Party is ashamed of America. The Republican Party is proud of America. And that's a big difference. You know, <laughs> that's it. That is the difference. That is the difference. It's, it's not even about Trump and Biden. They're both flawed individuals. I'm going to guarantee that. But it is about this attitude that whether we love this country and are trying to make it better all the time or whether we feel it was an idea that has been abandoned. Well, we're all living in our mailboxes right now. It's wonderful to get new stuff. Bespoke Post will send you a box of awesome collection for guys that will upgrade your life guaranteed. Whether it's gear to upgrade your autumn craft beers or cozy threads for when the temperature drops, Bespoke Post only sends guys the best uh, stuff every month. No matter what you're into, Box of Awesome has you covered from style and grooming goods to barware, cooking tools, and outdoor door gear. Box of Awesome has collections for every part of your life. I got this great dop kit. I was just using it on my trip to New York. I just love it. It is such a uh, an upgrade from what I was using before. To get started, take the quiz at boxofawesome.com. Your answers will help them pick the right Box of Awesome for you. It's free to sign up, and each box costs only 45 bucks, but has over $70 worth of gear inside. Get 20% off your first monthly box when you sign up at boxofawesome.com and enter the code CLAVEN at checkout. That's boxofawesome.com, code Claven for 20% off your first box. But, but there is a catch. There's always a drawback. There's always something going on. You have to know how to spell Claven. It's K-L-A-V-A-N. There are no I was just going to say that, but why not sing it? So let's take a look at this scandal because, I, you know, it, 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 I started out saying, don't jump on this. It feels too good to be true. It confirms too many of our prejudices, but it really does seem to have proved now you know, I won't say beyond a shadow of a doubt. This isn't a courtroom. This is journalism. You know, there's still some chance, I suppose, that it's some kind of trick, amazingly fantastic, elaborate trick. But it seems now to show that, A, Joe Biden lied when he said he didn't talk to Hunter Biden about his business. Now, that was never a very plausible lie. And any journalist worth his salt would have, you know, looked to undermine it. Anybody being lied to in his face, especially a journalist, is supposed to have this kind of natural reaction to disprove this. But it also seems to show, first, that Biden, after he was vice president, got involved with a Chinese energy company, that he was taking a cut of of, uh, Hunter Biden's deal with this company. uh, And this company was deeply intertwined with the Chinese government. The company is now gone, but at its peak, it was apparently just part of the Chinese government. So that shows bad judgment. And if 
as these emails are getting confirmed, it now begins to seem that maybe Biden did hold meetings with Ukrainian officials, which really does cast a shadow over his his forcing the firing of a prosecutor over Hunter's getting this job at Burisma that he didn't deserve. that was pulling in between 50 and 80 thousand dollars a month, which is almost what they pay me here. I mean, that's how much they were paying him. Fifty and eighty thousand dollars a month to sit on the board of this known to be corrupt uh, energy company while Joe Biden, the vice president, was heading up our relationships with the Ukraine. So now a U.S. Navy veteran who report I'm reading this from uh, the Daily Wire, U.S. Daily Daily Wire reporting on what the New York Post has confirmed. A U.S. Navy veteran who reportedly was a former business partner of Democrat presidential nominee Joe Biden's son, Hunter Biden, unloaded on Biden in a statement early on Thursday morning saying that Biden lied to the American people when he claimed that he did not talk to his son about his son's business dealings. The guy's name is Tony Bobolinsky. He left the Navy, uh, U.S. Navy as a lieutenant. He says that most of his political donations have been Democrats, that he's voted for Democrats, and he confirms that he was one of the recipients of the May 13th, 2017 email published by The Post eight days ago. That email from another partner in the group laid out cash and equity positions and mysteriously included a 10% set aside for the big guy. And this is, uh, let me, I'm going to read the statement. He says, my name is Tony Bobolinsky. The facts set forth below are true and accurate. They are not any form of domestic or foreign disinformation. Any suggestion to the contrary is false and offensive. I'm the recipient of the email published seven days ago by the New York Post, which showed a copy to Hunter Biden uh, and Rob Walker. That email is genuine. This afternoon, I received a a request from the Senate Committee on Homeland Security and Government Affairs and the Senate Committee on Finance requesting all documents relating to my business affairs with the Biden family, as well as various foreign entities and individuals. I have extensive relevant records and communications. I intend to produce those items to both uh, committees. If the media and big tech companies had done their jobs, says this Navy veteran, if they'd done their jobs over the last several weeks, I would be irrelevant in this story. Given my longstanding service and devotion to this great country, I would no longer allow my family's name to be associated or tied to Russian disinformation or implied lies and false narratives dominating the media right now. In other words, if the media had backed up the story, reported on the story, I mean, let's let's think about this. Twitter shut the New York Post out for six days for publishing what now seems to be the legitimate truth. That's it. Just publishing the truth that hurt Joe Biden. Twitter shut him out for days. Adam Schiff, who has like one button on his nose that you press and he starts to say, the Russians, the Russians are coming, the Russians are coming. He said it was Russian disinformation. The media, the networks have conspired to cover the, sto- uh, to cover the story up. Uh, and, the, you know, using this old playbook that when there's a scandal that hurts Republicans, the scandal is the scandal. When there's a scandal that hurts Democrats, the scandal is where did those documents come from? How did, I mean, nobody asked the New York Times how they got the Trump's tax information, which had to have been an illegal legal transfer, but nobody cared about that. Fair enough. That's journalism. A wonderful exchange took place between the Washington Examiner reporter, Susan Ferricchio, very smart lady, because I I know this because I see her on the Brett Baer show all the time. She pointed out that the press had not had any scruples about where the information came from during the Mueller report. She was talking to Brian Stelter. Listen to Stelter's reaction. This is quite amazing. Cut one. This is not last year's news. It's whether or not his son was coordinating to get him to talk to these Ukraine oligarchs and he was benefiting from it. I mean, it's just it's, it's really dirty. Okay, and Brian, it, it Brian, to look at. Forgive me, Brian Stelter, and then I want to move on to the Google, which is a related story. Brian. 
I, you know, you, I, I said it was last season. You're saying it's new. Uh, I think bottom line is we don't know what is real and what is fake in these emails, if there is anything real in them. Yeah, but and, that doesn't stop any from, from, from reporting the Mueller and the dossier and all that I stuff. You're now, I understand that you have a lot of resentment oh, about this. Now, now we have ethics. Okay, now I, we have ethics. Now now that it's da- don't you dare. Don't you dare act like newsrooms didn't have ethics in 2017 and 2018. Well, I you know, know they, they do. So. Well, you can't. You can don't dare me all you want, Brian. I've been doing this for 30 years. So say whatever you want. It's my view. And I have a right to say it. I was invited so on the is that the news media was unethical with Mueller? <laughs> Don't you dare, lady. I would call that mansplaining, except it's Brian Stelter, so I can't do that. I'm sorry. You know, I, 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 <laughs> you know, I, you know I, I mention sometimes that Stelter is a woman, and I don't mean to, you know, offend women, but, you know, men do certain things that are maybe untoward, and women do certain things that are maybe untoward. And, you know, Brian Stelter missed a deadline, went to bed to cry. That's why he missed the deadline. He went to bed to have a good cry and then shared that with the rest of us. The science says, I mean, this is just science. He's a woman, right? That's not something that a man does. All right. So back to the Pawlinski statement. He goes on. He says, after leaving the military, I became an institutional investor, investing extensively around the world and on every continent. What I am outlining is fact. I know it is fact because I lived it. I am the CEO of Sinohawk Holdings, which was a partnership between the Chinese operating through CFC Chairman Yi and the Biden family. I was brought into the company to be the CEO by James Gillier. Remember that name and Hunter Biden. The reference to the big guy in the much publicized email is, in fact, a reference to Joe Biden. The other JB is his is Jim Biden, uh, Joe's brother. This is still the statement. Hunter Biden called his dad the big guy or my chairman and frequently referenced asking him for his sign off or advice on various potential deals that we were discussing. I've seen Vice President Biden saying he never talked to Hunter about his business. I've seen firsthand that that's not true because it wasn't just Hunter's business. They said they were putting the Biden family name and its legacy on the line. I mean, this is an important point that Senator Ted Cruz makes. Here's uh, cut seven. This whole issue is not about Hunter Biden. Hunter Biden, by all appearances, has led a very troubled life and a a challenging life. This whole inquiry is about Joe Biden, who wants to be president of the United States, and about whether Joe Biden was personally corrupt. The China emails are offering to pay over a million dollars to the big guy, to Joe Biden himself, cash in his bank account. And the questions the journal asked right there, did the deal go through? Did he take the money? How much money did Joe Biden take from communist China? What did he do for it? Those questions, to the best of my knowledge, haven't even been asked, much, much less answered. That's right. It's about Joe. It's not about Hunter. Hunter's a messed up guy, had a terrible tragedy in his life, didn't get through it. It messed him up completely. Uh, Okay, you know, that's that's his problem, his problem in the laws. But what Joe Biden's involvement is a a news story and it's a big news story. Now, Fox News has uh, an email, a text exchange where Bobolinsky is warned by this business partner of his, James Gillier, don't mention Joe being involved. It's only when you are face to face. I know you know that, but they are paranoid. So don't mention that Joe Biden is involved. Let's get back. Let's let's finish this Bobolinsky statement. I realize the Chinese were not really focused on a healthy financial ROI, this return on investment. They were looking at this as a political or influence investment. Once I realized that Hunter wanted to use the company as his personal biggie bank by just taking money out of it as soon as it came from the Chinese, 
I took steps to prevent that from happening. I don't have a political axe to grind. I just saw behind the Biden curtain and I grew concerned with what I saw. The Biden family aggressively leveraged the Biden family name to make millions of dollars from foreign entities, even though some were from communist controlled China. The Bidens had gone behind my back and gotten paid millions of dollars by the Chinese, even though they told me they hadn't and wouldn't do that to their partners. And this comes on the heels of a Senate report from last month stating that a number of Hunter Biden's foreign associates have been linked to money laundering as well. And again, this is not about Hunter. You know, NPR just issued a statement. Their public editor, Terrence Samuel, said, we don't want to waste our time on stories. This is why they're not reporting. We don't want to waste our time on stories that are not really stories. And we don't want to waste the listeners and readers time on stories that are just pure distractions. And again, imagine a reporter in an old movie with the snap rim hat and the press card and his hat band sitting at his typewriter and the editor comes in and says the presidential front runner. We have emails that show the presidential front runner may have been involved in his son's dysfunctional son's influence peddling. And the guy says, yeah, we don't want to waste our time on stories that are not really stories. He'd be on that story like white on rice because he'd be a reporter, a journalist. Shame on NPR. So I saw this great old clip of Sammy Davis Jr. on an old British show, and they were scatting and dancing to the song called It's Not What You Do, It's The Way That You Do It. And I immediately thought, isn't that so true of rockauto.com? Because you don't want to just go to rockauto.com on your computer. You don't want to just get, you know, car parts at a low price. You want to actually say rockauto.com. It's not what you do. It's the way that you do it. You got to say rockauto.com. Women faint. They swoon. And they actually swoon. They, some women don't even know what swoon means, but you say rockauto.com, they fall over. You do If you need a car part, you don't want to get in your car, which isn't running anyway, and pretend to drive down to the car part store and have somebody look in a computer for you and then charge you too much when you can just say rockauto.com, you know, earn the love of beautiful women everywhere and get a car part right online. They have great prices at rockauto.com, always reliably low. The same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Their catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck and write Clavin in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. And you got to do the same. You got to say Clavin. And they have to know also how to spell Clavin. It's K-L-A-V-A-N. You got to say it. to be acting this dumb. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> Who ever told you that? That's a complete mistake. Go to rockauto.com. I, I don't want to obscure the larger issues because that really is what the, the election is about, obviously. This, this does say something. It does speak into this narrative. That, remember the New York Times I was reading yesterday? Oh, Donald Trump, greatest threat to democracy since World War II. There was Hitler, and then there's Trump. And then they go on you know, to list his crimes, which is basically he does not agree with them. He doesn't think that the scandals they think are scandals are scandals. He doesn't think that the crises they think are crises are crises. This is the great threat to democracy that somebody disagrees with the poobahs at the New York Times who have been the narration between this slow growth of government and diminishment of freedom that both parties have been involved in. Both parties have overseen the growth of government. The Republicans may be a little slower while talking about it. The Democrats uh, while celebrating it and doing it as fast as they possibly can. So both parties are doing this. Donald Trump is a stone in their shoe because he actually does believe in the freedom of individuals. He actually does not. He actually is a federalist. He, he may not have ever heard that word before he was president, but he actually is a guy who respects the rights of the states to govern themselves. He's acted that way during the coronavirus, which is one of the things they're attacking him for and blaming him for all these deaths, which is absurd. 
Joe Biden, meanwhile, has been talking about packing the Supreme Court, and he's promised that he was going to come out and tell us whether he was going to pack the Supreme Court. That's not true. Here's what he came out and said. He said this to Nora O'Donnell on 60 Minutes. This is cut two. If elected, what I will do is I'll put together a national commission of bipartisan commission of scholars, constitutional scholars, Democrats, Republicans, liberal, conservative. And I will uh, ask them to, over uh, 180 days, come back to me with recommendations as to how to uh, reform the court system, because it's getting out of whack. Um, the way in which it's ha being handled. And it's not about court packing. There's a number of other things that our constitutional scholars have debated, and I'd look to see what recommendations that commission might make. So you're telling us you're going to study this issue about whether to pack the court? No, whether there's a number of alternatives that are go well beyond packing. This is a live ball. Oh, it is a live ball. No, it is a live ball. We're going to have to do that. And you're going to find there's a lot of conservative constitutional scholars who are saying it as well. <laughs> this is, you know, if you don't follow politics, I've been following politics all my life. I've been a political junkie all my life. And if you don't follow politics, you may not recognize the famous appoint a, commi a commission scam. This is, I'm going to appoint a commission. You know, this is, you appoint a commission, you wait till everybody's forgotten what the commission is all about. The commission says whatever it is you want them to say. He's going to, he's going to have conservatives there. Yeah, Bill Crystal will be there. Michael Steele, you know, this is like that, that article in the New York Times saying there was a bipartisan experiment and it, because it included, uh, you know, uh, Michael uh, Steele, yes, yeah, Michael Steele, and included all these never Trumpers who happen to be Republicans. You know, he's going to appoint this bipartisan commission, and then he's going to do whatever it takes to please his base. And what's the problem? What is the problem that has arisen? There is zero problem except they've lost the majority on the Supreme Court. They they feel just like everything else. They feel like every comedian should belong to them. Every movie should belong to them. Who is it? Chris Pratt? Is that his name? The guy from the uh, from the Avengers movies didn't go to a Joe Biden fundraiser and he was attacked for that. And, you know, you better get in line, pal. You know, it doesn't matter how big a star is. We can destroy you and we will destroy you because we own all the actors. We own all the comedians and we own the Supreme Court. And that is the, and we own the presidency. We own the White House. How could Donald Trump have taken the White House away from us when we were already celebrating the first woman president or some facsimile thereof. You know, th this is the, the whole attitude is is basically right in there that this has got something that has to be studied. What needs to be studied? What needs to be studied is they've lost the majority, just in the same way that free speech has to be studied because they've lost the argument, just as the same way as the Electoral College has to be destroyed because they lost the election. They won't even, and they won't even show up. They won't even show up for the for the actual process of democracy. Uh, the Senate Judiciary Committee has now advanced uh, Amy Coney Barrett's nomination to the Supreme Court. Republicans unanimously voted to recommend that the full Senate approve her, paving the way for her confirmation next week. All 10 Dem Democrats on the panel declined to appear at the proceedings to protest the Republican plan to fill the, the position just ahead of a presidential election. They took their ball and they went home. Here's John Kennedy with a perfect uh, soundbite on this. Right now, Chuck's kind of like a teenager. He's mad at everybody. Um, he, he, we're, gonna, we're going to confirm Judge Barrett, and, and Senator Schumer needs to fill out a hurt feelings report, and let's move on. <laughs> That's a soundbite machine. I love him. <laughs> he file a hurt feelings report. 
And that's, you know, that really is what it is. You know, you, you got you to gotta admit here, I tell you, I give you tomorrow's news today. Remember when everybody was saying that this was going to be the battle of the century, that people were going to tear each other's throats out. There's going to be like Brett, it was going to make Brett Kavanaugh seem like the minor leagues and all this stuff. And I came on and said, you know, I don't know if that's true. I don't know if that's actually what's going to happen. And the reason I said that, I said because Ruth Bader Ginsburg's death came at this kind of perfect timing for Republicans. Uh, you know, I mean, nothing, I'm not celebrating her death. I'm just saying that the death was the perfect timing for Republicans because they knew that the people were disgusted by what they did to Kavanaugh. And if it hadn't happened three weeks before the midterms, which is a century in Trump time, that then they would have been destroyed at the polls. It really hurt them badly because whenever people see them, whenever people see who they are, whenever people hear what they really believe, Anytime it happens, they lose friends. This is the thing. Whenever people see the Democrats up close, the way they behave, the way they are, the things they believe, the Democrats lose voters and lose friends. That's why it matters to them. That's why social media and Twitter are hiding the information about Joe Biden. Because when people see them clearly, we win. They have to make sure they don't see them clearly. And as I said at the opening, freedom is a hard sell. The friends of freedom, Lord Acton said, the friends of freedom have always been rare. The true friends of freedom have always been rare. They abandon it the minute they get out into the wilderness and they don't have anything to eat. Why did you take us out of Egypt? We had pots full of meat in Egypt. Now we're out here in the desert being free and we don't have anything to eat. That is the way people behave. I always used to drive me crazy when George W. Bush, an evangelical Christian, would come out and say, all men want freedom. I thought, have you read that book? <laughs> have you read the Bible? It's all about the fact you know, give us a king. We don't want to live under God. Give us a king. I mean, this is, the, it's not the way the Jews behave. It's the way all people will behave. You know, give us a king, give us a, some food. We'll build your pyramids, please. Just don't, don't make us fend for ourselves. So that's, that, this is the thing. We have a hard sell and it's all they have to do is make people afraid. But the minute people hear what they're saying in a positive way, the minute that people hear what they say that they're planning to actually do, People don't like it. I mean, it was it was clear when Obama was president, right? It was clear when Obama was president that people liked Obama. He was a likable guy. He was a very fashionable guy. He spoke well when he was had a teleprompter in front of us. He, he had a very good sense of humor. They, they liked him. They didn't like his policies one bit. Every other Democrat in the country was voted out by the time Obama left office. He was the Democrat who still had a job. He was the Democrat who still had a job. That's that's changed now, obviously, as the party has swung the other way. What the people are trying to do is they're trying to stop the pendulum from swinging so widely. They're trying to bring it back to the center some, somehow. But people didn't like Obama's policies. It, when they heard what he was going to do. So the Democrats have to work on, oh, Joe's a great guy. Joe's a great guy. That's why they got to cover, cover up the scandal, because Joe's a great guy. He's just, he's a lunch bucket Joe. He's one of you. He's just a guy. That's why they have to cover it up. And they have to get you to be afraid and get this issue, whatever the issue is. The, it's the weather. Look, the sun is, oh my God, it's August and it's hot. This is, uh, you know, if this goes on, if things continue, if the drop 
from winter to summer continues on this chart. We've got it all gamed out on this computer. Uh, if this kind of trend continues, the world will just burst into flames. If the world will burst into flames. And so once you're scared, you stop thinking. You stop thinking, whoa, 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 whoa. Just a minute. What are we talking about here? We're talking about banning, fracking, a thing that has made us energy independent, a thing that has lessened the power of Islamic terrorists to destroy us because it has lessened the power of the people who run the countries uh, in, in the the Middle East. It has made it easier for us to negotiate peace between those countries and Israel. And you want to ban fracking because what? Because the sun came out? Because it's hot this today? I mean, this is the thing. It, it, if they can keep you afraid, if they can keep you in a panic, that's how they win. And if they can convince you that Donald Trump is such a meanie, such a bad guy, that you got to vote against him. So this, this guy who thinks America was an idea, but now we've abandoned it, can get in office. That's how they win. All right. Let us talk. Oh, hey, listen, if you're listening to the show, you obviously like to hear insane right wing white men try to defend freedom in America. So you're going to love Jeremy Boring's new podcast. He has got about the God King himself has got a new podcast. It's called Enough. I was watching it yesterday. Uh, his first episode, he takes on the leftist outlets trying to get conservatives kicked off Facebook. Listen now at the link in the description and subscribe to Jeremy's podcast to get his other rants about big government, big tech, Hollywood hypocrisy, and anything else that comes to his fertile mind. You know, I, I, I love to tease Jeremy because he's the boss. Of my, he, I don't tease him. He don't, doesn't know I love him. But he really is a brilliant guy and he is really worth listening to on this. So go on YouTube and look for Enough with Jeremy Boring. And tonight we will be on backstage covering the debates. Join us at 8.45 p.m. Eastern, 5.45 p.m. Pacific for an all new episode of Daily Wire backstage to watch the debate with us and get our immediate live reaction to a major political event. And even better, join Daily Wire now as an insider or all access member and get 20% off with code DEBATE. Code debate. So you can watch all the debate coverage live on our Apple TV or Roku app. Watch the debate with us on dailywire.com, YouTube, and Facebook, and get 20% off your Daily Wire membership with code debate when you sign up today. Jenna Ellis is coming on. Jenna Ellis, I have no idea who this woman is. She was wandering around outside. She looked cold. We brought her. No, <laughs> she's one of our favorite guests. She's a constitutional law attorney, senior legal advisor to the Trump campaign, personal counsel to President Trump, as well as a fellow with the Falkirk Center at Liberty University. She's also serving as special counsel for John MacArthur and Grace Community Church. Jenna, it's always wonderful to see you. How are you doing? Great to see you too, Drew. And speaking of the Falkirk Center, I have an announcement to make. They have been bugging me for so long to get on Instagram, which is a new platform. So over the last okay. couple of days, I'm finally on Instagram. And I think I have this down because I'm totally in basic white girl mode. I have the plaid shirt, the uh, cross necklace. I have my pumpkin spice latte. And I think, you know, is this how we do it? You know, the selfie. So I think it's, I mean, I'm like two steps away from doing hashtag blessed and I'm totally, I've got this down. So follow me on Instagram and let me know how I'm doing. I think that I've got like the whole fall collection, you know, worked out. So you have, to, you have to learn how to do the Trump dance. Have you seen this on the, on TikTok? Everybody's doing the Trump dance. The, the YMCA. It's amazing. <laughs> He's so great. All right. I want to talk, I, I want to talk to you about Amy Coney Barrett and all, and the Supreme Court and all this. But before we get to that, I, I really want to talk to you about about this 
social media censorship, which I just feel is election interference and interference with our First Amendment rights. I've been railing against this. And people keep saying to me, I was on all access last night, and people keep saying to me, no, these are private companies. Uh, they have a right to do anything they want. I feel that they, the building should be burned to the ground and the ground should be salted after we tar and feather the heads of the companies. Is there anything we can do legally to stop this? Well, I think that, you know, going all Nebuchadnezzar and, you know, burning, <laughs> raising them to the ground and salting the earth so that nothing can be built is probably a great legal way to go. But uh, but I agree with you that, you know, that Americans are just really tired of all of this censorship because they're trying to have their cake and eat it, too, with this whole Section 230 thing. And if you've been hearing any of this in the media all that Section 230 is, is gives big tech immunity when they say that they're not a publisher and they don't want to be responsible for third party content. So for all of the tweets and all of these, you know, Instagram posts that I'm going to be looking at, you know, they don't want anything to do with the hashtag blast of Jenna, right? So they're going to say, we're not responsible. We don't want um, any of any of this as a publisher. But at the same time, we're seeing in just days before the election, how much they're flagging different posts, they're censoring things. I mean, the New York Post, as a as a publisher in their own right, this has now been a full week that they have been locked out of their account simply for reporting on a story that if Joe Biden and his campaign really think is that egregious, they can sue the New York Post for defamation. The Trump campaign, yeah. we have three lawsuits going on, CNN, New York Times, um, and CNN. And, uh, and and the New York Times and the um, what's the other one the Washington the Washington Post so we have those three going on and that's we're not we're not stepping in and saying anything to Twitter because they're the ones that actually published the stories and so here Jack Dorsey and uh, and Facebook Mark Mark Zuckerberg all of these platforms are trying purposefully to create the narrative to get you to discount certain stories that are not favorable to their preferred candidate, Joe Biden. This is shocking, Drew. And in America, when we value free speech, free discourse, we should not have these platforms that say, hey, I don't want any liability of being a publisher, yet I want to censor the speech that I don't prefer. And we do want to be the arbiters of truth. We want to be the arbiters of content. We want to be the arbiters of your speech. So really, the the solution here has to be Congress. They need to get off, off their butts and actually do something together. But you know that the left won't because they're perfectly fine with this because it helps yeah, them. Sure, That's how sure. activists I mean, and and it's not like it's not like this just grew up out of the ground. The government gave them these these rights. The government created the monster. The government has to kill the monster. The government has to bring the monster down. It is ridiculous. The New York Post story is so much better sourced, so much more transparent, and now being confirmed as opposed to the Russian collusion story, which they pumped for three years and nobody ever said a thing about it. It's just it's just insane. And if there's no legal remedy, uh, really, I'm I, I'm looking to the end of the Frankenstein movie with the. Uh, peasants with torches uh, coming out and just saying, give, give us the monster because it really has to be stopped. All right. So let's let's talk about Amy Coney Barrett. The, the left just didn't show up for the Senate committee hearing. I guess, they, are they going to show up for the vote, do you think? I mean, what, is this the strategy now? Well, it's completely ridiculous that they're not even willing to participate in the process. And all they did today was give Republicans the full mic. And so all that all that the Republicans did were able to talk about how ridiculous the Democrats uh, are for putting these pictures 
of people in their chairs. I mean, one of the one of the senators was right. It looked like, uh, you know, a, a sporting event where we're just putting all of these people in the midst of COVID. I mean, it was absolutely ridiculous. It's childish of them. And they are trying to perpetuate this false narrative that somehow this is unconstitutional. That's not correct. They are just sore losers. At the end of the day, the American people elected President Trump. They elected a Republican Senate majority. And we can do this. And we should do this. And this is returning the judicial branch to its rightful role in the constitutional separation of powers to say that Amy Coney Barrett actually wants to be a judge. Imagine that. She doesn't want to be a lawmaker. She doesn't want to be a partisan policy activist. And what the Democrats are showing is they don't want to be held accountable to the Constitution, to the judicial branch, or even to we the people when they're looking forward to all of this manipulation of ballots, ballot harvesting, extended deadlines, all of that. They will manipulate the rules any way they can to not be held accountable. You know, it is funny now that you mention it, that the crisis that they see is is a judge who wants to follow the Constitution. That's the crisis that they see. There's more and more talk about this on the left, about the Constitution being a bug, not a feature, basically. And I, they really are it's starting to come out. They're starting to say the quiet part out loud. Do you think they're going to pack the court if they win? If, if they get in uh, to the White House, into the Senate, and they control the House, absolutely. There is nothing that they won't do for their own power. And this is, they're going to pack the court because they don't want the judicial branch to hold them accountable. So they want to have the 50 and 60 years that they've already had. They want to extend that. And they want to have the rubber stamp leftist activists on the bench to just look the other way and say, we're not going to hold your policy to the constitutional standard. We're just going to push it through. And that that is what they don't want. They don't want the Constitution to stop them. They don't want anyone to stop them from their insane power grab. So, of course, they're going to pack the court. If it, let's say they don't pack the court, let's say there's a six, three majority or whatever it turns out to be. I mean, I, I sometimes wonder if packing the court is just a way of threatening John Roberts into submission. But but let's say they don't. And let's say Trump wins and Amy Coney Barrett becomes the ju- justice. What realistically do you see happening going forward? I mean, they always kind of try to scare women with they're going to lose Roe v. Wade. They're going to lose abortion rights. They try to scare gays with they're going to lose Obergefell. Do you think any of those things are realistic possibilities? Well, you know, Amy Barrett answered these questions really well when she said that judges can't just select what they want to opine on. They're not legal pundits, right? So you have to have cases that actually challenge these rules substantively to then go up and then actually have the Supreme Court hear it and have the opportunity to say this particular set of facts Uh, shows us why we have to hold a certain way according to the Constitution, not just according to our partisan opinions and policy interests. And then because they rule a certain way, that then affects a prior precedent that is struck down for being unconstitutional. So, of course, that's possible. And of course, uh, you know, Justice Thomas, Justice Alito wrote uh, a great dissent just a couple of weeks ago talking about how the constitutional process is what matters. We can all have these policy debates 
rights, and we should have them in our state legislatures and in Congress. But when you have a partisan activist court that since 1965 has basically looked the other way and they have drawn up this doctrine to pretend that that our rights come from the Constitution, not from God, our creator, and the Constitution is there just to protect and preserve those, then you get a manipulated, wrong line of precedent that we should overturn, we should roll back and say, let's rule according to the Constitution and work out the policy according to that standard. Yeah, I mean, people can always vote for other, you know, it's not like the legislature legislates anymore, but if people want, actually would like some legislation, they could vote people in who would legislate the things that they want. It would be kind of like having, I don't know, a constitutional government. So Shocker, what is your right? take? <laughs> yeah, what, what is your take on John Roberts? I mean, I, I can't feel that thing he decided, he sided with the left on the Pennsylvania votes saying that they could count votes for three days afterwards, no matter when they were postmarked. It just seemed like Looney Tunes to me. What, what is your take on this guy, just personally? Yeah, you know, he is kind of an enigma wrapped in a myth, wrapped in a <laughs> what are you doing? Because um, he is not predictable. And and that's the problem with John Roberts is that at least when you had someone like a Ruth Bader Ginsburg, for example, of course, I completely disagreed with the majority of her opinions, all of them on the social issues, but she at least had a compelling and consistent judicial philosophy in terms of how she understood the Constitution. So she was predictable in that way. And that's what litigants want. We want to be able to go in front of the court and be able to say, based on the law, we understand that there's predictability here. John Roberts, that's the worst thing going for him is that he's so unpredictable that it doesn't give any of the litigants an understanding of where he's going to hold and for what reason. And that was the problem as well with Anthony Kennedy. And so I think that John Roberts, um, he's definitely uh, Bush's worst legacy. And he is going to be um, now relegated to the minority, which is a very good thing for litigants now that there will be a 5-4 or 6-3 majority, at least on the social issues. because And this is just astounding to me because Roberts has written some really, really good opinions, like his dissent in Obergefell, when he said, you know, hey, if you are supportive of same-sex marriage, that's fine, but this is not the constitutionally appropriate manner of going about this. He was absolutely correct. So um, so my personal thought is, you know, he clearly hates President Trump um, and he clearly has some other uh, contemplations that I'm not really sure how he can get from A to Z, where he is just trying to get his opinion in and then and then work his judicial philosophy around it. That doesn't work when you're on the judicial branch. He needs to either get a judicial philosophy that's appropriate to the constitutional interpretation or needs to step off and, you know, go join Nancy Pelosi's house and try to be a legislator. <laughs> All right, Jenna Ellis, it's always great to see you. you. We can now find you on Instagram making fish faces and doing whatever yes. people do on Instagram. Aren't <laughs> you so excited? Still, we'll see how I this know, experiment goes. We actually goes. appreciate your, your great legal mind, and it's always great talking to you. Thanks a lot, Jenna. Great to see you, Drew. <laughs> Hey, I just want to conclude with this one thing and mention Rush Limbaugh, uh, the, probably the greatest broadcaster of my lifetime. Uh, he made this announcement. His, his cancer, he says, is, is probably terminal. Uh, you know, it's, it's stage four lung cancer. That's not a good thing. Uh, here's cut eight of uh, Rush talking about it. It's tough to realize that the days where I do not think I'm under a death sentence are over. Now, we all are, is the point. We all know that we're going to die at some point, but when you have a terminal disease diagnosis that has a time frame to it, 
then that puts a different a different psychological and, and even physical awareness to it. Yeah, you know, I mean, this is a guy just uh, dealing with what we're all going to deal with. Not There's not one of us who's not going to deal with this. He's dealing with it, obviously, with dignity and grace. A just a spectacular, a spectacular broadcaster. Really, I, I've told the story a million times of how my father, who just hated everything he stood for, my father was one of the great broadcasters as well. He was a terrific, terrific broadcaster uh, in New York City for many, many years, one of the top DJs in New York City. But he admitted that Rush was the greatest man with a mic, at least since him. And uh, it's just, it's just, it's distressing a little bit to me. The Washington Post ran a story about him uh, talking about this announcement that he made. And then just just the story just evolves into these attacks from the left. Uh, you know, a singer songwriter, Ricky Davila says, I'll say it again. Rush Limbaugh is a sexist, misogynist, racist, hateful, bigoted, conspiracy theorist, trash bin with a repugnant radio program. Uh, you know, he gets no sympathy from me because he has cancer. Nope. And another liberal writer says, I'm attempting to compose a thoughtful, sensitive tweet that wishes Rush Limbaugh well, despite what a hideous racist billion, you know, uh, the whole the whole thing. And, I, you know, all I can say is, you know, death, death is a leveling thing that reminds us that we're all human beings. We're all here fighting and afraid of the dark. Uh, we're all here striving to do the best we can. We, we know we know that politics divides us. We know that politics makes us angry. But when it makes you lose your humanity, it doesn't bother me that people get angry and sometimes say nasty things in politics. You know, it's a heat of battle. I get it. I, I really don't uh, condemn people for that. But when you actually lose your humanity, when you actually lose your common link to another person uh, at the moment of his death, change your philosophy. Your philosophy has done that to you. That's what it's turned you into. Look in your mirror. Say, I am no longer a man who can con connect with another human being who disagrees with me uh, and change your philosophy. Rush Limbaugh, just one of the greats in this business, created the business that I'm now participating in, uh, and really a, a terrific guy. Prayers up for him. Uh, I know he'll he'll do well no matter what happens. That's it. We'll be back tomorrow. We do have a show on Friday. I'm Andrew Claven. This is the Andrew Claven Show. Hey, if you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, give us a five-star review, and also tell your friends to subscribe too. We're available on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, The Matt Wall Show, and The Michael Knowles Show. Thanks for listening. The Andrew Clavin Show is produced by Robert Sterling. Executive producer, Jeremy Boring. Our technical director is Austin Stevens. Supervising producer, Mathis Glover. Assistant director, Pavel Wadowski. Edited by Adam Saivitz and Danny D'Amico. Audio mixed by Robin Fenderson. Hair and makeup, or head and makeup, is by Nika Geneva. Animations are by Cynthia Angulo. Production assistants, McKenna Waters and Ryan Love. The Andrew Claven Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2020. If you prefer facts over feelings, aren't offended by the brutal truth, and you can still laugh at the insanity filling our national news cycle, well, tune in to The Ben Shapiro Show. We'll get a whole lot of that and much more. See you there. 